This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Uh, I'm your host, Robbie Lashwa, and I'm here with my awesome co-host, Tyler Hurley. What's going on, Tyler? What is up, Robbie? We are so excited for this special podcast episode where we have Drew with the Daniel Generation podcast with us today. Yeah, this is kind of a cool episode for us. It's like a crossover episode. We got connected with Drew through a mutual friend, and we heard about what he was doing on his podcast. And so, Drew, we're just really excited for you to be here today. I'm very excited to be here talking with you guys, too. Uh, Love checking out your podcast and seeing the work you're doing so it's it's fun to be able to kind of do a crossover and interact it is man well tell our listeners a little bit about what your podcast covers what inspired the daniel generation why you're doing what you're doing yeah well so i think the the most common question i get is why is it called the daniel generation and uh Mm -hmm. really it was inspired by the book of Daniel. I think there's a lot of cultural comparisons between Daniel as a Jew living in Babylon and us trying to live as faithful Christians in Western secular culture as it's emerging Mm -hmm. and as it's been going on for a while now. Um, So for Daniel, he's living in Babel, trying to be a faithful Jew and obey God's covenants and laws. And in doing that, even though there's pressure trying to conform him to the way of Babel, in being faithful, he actually ended up blessing the culture around him. Uh, and it ends with Nebuchadnezzar praising Yahweh as God, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so for me, looking at our current culture, I don't think that, I don't really think that we have a voice or a platform to a secular culture at large. But if we are faithful to Jesus, regardless of what culture says or tries to form us into, then we're going to end up blessing them. Um, and so really, I just, have seen that kind of as a, as a way forward. And on my podcast, we talk about how to be counterformed. So really it's just to talk about spiritual formation. How have Christians always acted like Christians? How have we been formed more into the image of Jesus through prayer, spiritual disciplines, things like that. Um, and sometimes we talk about theology. Sometimes we talk more about things happening in cultural, um, but it tends to be just a discussion on timeless spiritual formation applied to our current cultural moment. That's awesome, man. I I love the book of Daniel. One of the things in it that just fascinates me is uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yes. right? With the with getting thrown in the furnace, and I love what they say to him: "Our God's big enough to save us, but even if He uh-huh. doesn't, we're still not bowing down because we know it's wrong, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like we still have such confidence in our faith that we're not going to cower in fear, even in the threat of death." I love absolutely, that. yeah, and that's one of the big inspirations. And for me, it's like would I say the same thing (laughs) or would I just be like, Oh, okay. Culture wants me to do this. I'll do this. So I don't die or I don't feel uncomfortable or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. I I really too. I was thinking about what you're doing and I love it because I meet so many people who say things like, Oh, I can't believe how horrible our culture's getting. And Oh, and it's like crisis mode. And I go, have you never looked at other cultures in history? <laughs> like this isn't that bad. To yeah, be it's really I mean, not. it's not great, <laughs> but it's not like Babylon, you know, no. completely. No. It's not yeah. like first century Corinth. Um, <laughs> there's still somewhat of a Christian worldview around. And yeah. So yeah, that just fascinates me when people they're really comparing it with oh, 30 years ago things seemed better, and it's like uh-huh. well, maybe yeah. they were, maybe they weren't, but you know, we're we're going to be Christians regardless of what culture yeah. does. Yeah, our faith. And our interactions with the world as ambassadors of Jesus should be separate from whatever's going on in culture, right? We shouldn't yes. be afraid yep. of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. 
Yep. Well, today on the show, we're going to be talking with Drew kind of about apologetics and the role that it played in his life and the importance of it. Again, that's that's what our heartbeat here is at Christ Culture and Coffee. And so we just want to get into talking about the conversation on what is apologetics, why is it important, and how has it impacted uh, the three of us in our lives and our walks with the Lord? Well, definitely glad to be having this conversation with you guys. As I was thinking about it, I know for my audience— one of the things that might be a question um, for anyone listening is, why is apologetics important? So if we're going to be talking about apologetics, I think we should cover that first. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? Why do we need apologetics? Well, yeah, well, I mean, it's such a good question. And I mean, it's interesting to me because apologetics, too, has kind of like gone away over the past 150 years in Christianity. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. we kind of got um, lazy and kind of like resting on our laurels a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's making a resurgence. But apologetics is a big deal because it, it means a defense of the faith, right? That's that's the idea. It's it's from uh, the Greek word apologia, mm-hmm. which is found in First uh, Peter 3.15. And mm-hmm. I'm going to read that verse. Uh, it says, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense— and that's the word apologia, defense, mm. to everyone who asks to give for you to give an account of the hope that's in you, yet with gentleness and respect. Um, and so that's where we get the word from, right? That's that's where the concept uh, uh, comes from, apologia, and it means a defense, and and it's like a legal defense. This is kind of a judicial term in first century Greek, and so mm. it was to come with a your case, right? Your case in court as to why you you hold something and so that's what peter's telling Mm -hmm. us here is we need to always be ready with a defense for why we have this hope in jesus Mm -hmm. to anyone who asks right and so when we apply that command to ourselves, you know that means to the to the muslim to the mormon to the atheist Mm -hmm. to the scientologist to the lgbt community to the agnostic to everybody we need to be ready with a defense of why we believe what we Mm -hmm. believe and then i love how he ends it but with gentleness and respect. Mm. Yeah. And we always like to joke about how this is Peter saying <laughs> gentleness and respect. Like, yeah. That's, that's really right. funny, right? Oh, that is funny. Um, but he's older, right? Mm. This isn't this isn't him in the gospels. This is him later in life. And I think he learned that if you really want to yeah. impact people, you can't just win arguments, but you need to win people. And you don't mm. just do that with facts. You do that with your demeanor yeah. and your love for them as well. Well, that's interesting too that you bring that up, because you even see both Peter and Paul doing this in a courtroom setting, but they kind of contextualize to their audience, right? They have really good rational arguments, but it's arguments they know their mm-hmm. audience is going to respect. Yeah. Yeah, you see Paul when he I mean when he goes in Acts 17 to Mars Hill, uh-huh. right? He he can debate. He knows what the sophists believe. Mm-hmm. He knows where yeah. these philosophers are at and he reasons with them where they're at. But then when he's talking with Jews in the synagogue, he reasons with them where they're yeah, at. Yeah, exactly. Right? And then when he's out in like podunk towns traveling <laughs> in, in Asia Minor, he reasons differently. It's it's yeah. fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you could just you could Take an approach and be just a jerk about it and then <laughs> sure. try to go after winning an argument, right? He, Paul could have done that, but but he didn't. He chose to do it in gentleness and respect and meet people where they mm. were at, right? Yep. So I, I think that's a really, really important factor when it comes to dealing with apologetics. Yeah, yeah that's huge. And and Paul, I mean, uh, come on, of, of anybody, he yeah. had he had the intellectual aptitude to just slay people, right? And, <laughs> he and, and the physical aptitude like to slay people as he did. <laughs> yeah yeah sure <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. 
but um but he didn't do that you know as a christian yeah. he 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 reasoned with people where they were at you know you even think about like lydia in mm. philippi uh-huh. you know down by the river and how he approached her i mean it just when he says i become all things to all men that i may reach some with the mm. gospel i mean he really modeled that uh, for us, it's uh, yeah, it's it's amazing, and that's that's something that as Christians we need to do, which which means we need to know what other people believe. Yeah, right. Mm. One of the things that that Tyler and I talk about a lot is how you know there's that old saying. Um, it's it's like an old uh, uh, wor- uh what do I want to say? It's like an old object lesson. I've heard mm. it a million yeah. times. Is listen when. When there are people in government who are tracking counterfeit currency, they don't study all the counterfeits. They only study the original. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But if we're going to love our neighbors, we do need to study the counterfeits because that's what they believe. (laughs) And we need to help show Mm -hmm. them why the original is better. You know, so I get it. For me to spot a lie is easy. For me to help somebody see the lie they've believed, mm. that's that's more difficult. And that takes love and that takes me empathizing and being willing to do the hard work to, you know, study Mormonism or to study yeah. Islam so that I can love them enough to, to show them, listen, your thinking here is a little off. Mm. Let's let's talk about this. Let's let's mm. seek truth together. It's also a great way to defend the flock that you do have from from some of those ideas. I'm thinking more in like a cultural yes. sense, right? Like maybe some of the ideas of materialism that have arisen in the past couple hundred years, right? Those things have an implicit effect on our worldview just by being brought up in them. And so understanding them as apologists or even just as Christians defending the faith in a, um, you know, in a layman's sense, those are ways that we can defend the flock or other, you know, even our fellow brothers and sisters, whether we're a pastor or not from being sort of uh, influenced by, by false views. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm I'm going to speak at this church on the other side of town here in the valley um, next month, mm-hmm. and they're having me come in to talk about um, LGBTQ issues. And the reason is their their family's pastor was like, "Man, I've got a whole bunch of parents who are are saying, you know, I don't know if it's really that wrong." And if my kid came back and said this or that, I don't think I would be upset about it. And he's going, what is yeah. happening here? <laughs> like culture is coming in, yeah. you know, to to where Christians kind of get pushed around uh, when, when they're not solid on on why they believe what mm-hmm. they believe. And that's, that's what apologetics mm-hmm. really is. It's not just mm-hmm. trust it blindly. It's why do I believe it? Yeah, it's foundational too. It's like uh, when you have these preset truths that you've studied and that you've uh, learned for yourself, it helps you to not only to defend your faith, but to be confident in your faith. And you can uh, understand how to navigate through doubts or um, any questions that people might throw at you, right? And Mm -hmm. so, uh, especially when the culture comes in and tries to say one thing, we can look at scripture uh, with a different mindset of how to deal Mm -hmm. with it. So it's like, uh, so that's where apologetics is important. It helps us to, uh, to be prepared for what the culture throws at us, right? Yeah, mm. and even even to the point of saying, why do I trust this book, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, okay, I know what it says, but who cares? Yeah. Um, why do I think a God exists? Why do I think a guy rose from the dead? Mm. I mean, these are foundational yeah. things, and we can't, f- for so long, I think that, that the answer was, just have more faith, hmm. just trust it. You know, it's it's feedism, faithism, and yeah. um, man, the sincerity of my faith doesn't make anything true. My faith is only as good as the object I'm placing mm-hmm. it in. 
And if it's true, if Jesus is real, man, that's a really great place to be trusting. Yeah. <laughs> but if he's not, I need to find something else. I need hmm. to become a Muslim or an atheist or whatever's actually hmm. real. I, I think a lot of, um, just based on this conversation so far, what Paul says in Colossians, you know, we need to be rooted in Christ as we are brought up so that we're not thrown um, thrown to the mm-hmm. wind with every human doctrine and cunning deceit, right? There's all these yep. emerging ideas that are really as old as time, but they, they die and resurface and die and resurface in new ways. Um, but they never last. They're never firm. And, you know, if the gates of hell comes against some of those ideas, they crash and fall. But if they come against the ideas of the church and, and Jesus and the foundation of our faith, it stands it stand the test of time. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you on that. Being firmly rooted in Christ is the issue. Mm-hmm. But so many people try to be firmly rooted in the sincerity of their yes. faith. Yes, and then it's about and that them doesn't work, still, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just it well doesn't work mm-hmm. because some days I feel sincere and some days yes. I don't. And so if it's based on my feelings or my sincerity or the oomph I try to put into it, man, that's a that's a recipe for disaster, no matter what absolutely. it is. But if it's placed on the immovable work of Jesus Christ. That's the cornerstone that I need to be be standing mm-hmm. on. That's the confidence. Absolutely. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. So apologetics is is I mean obviously to us is a big deal. So we love talking oh, about yeah. um, Mormonism and Islam and atheism and all the moral issues and why God allows evil and what do we do when we have doubts and Scientology and lots of different cult mm-hmm. stuff and um, because we we do encounter people who Jesus loves that are that are dying and and being led astray through lies they believe mm-hmm. and um one one of my favorite apologetics passages and, I, and this one doesn't get talked about the first peter three fifteen one's pretty popular mm-hmm. yeah but this first corinthians 10 4 through 5 i love it uh, paul says for though we walk in the flesh we don't war according to the mm-hmm. flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Yeah. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so mm-hmm. often, um, you know, that, that especially that last part, take every thought captive, it, it's come to mean if you think of a lustful thought, <laughs> just stop it. That. Right? That's like the only context it gets used in is like, is like yeah. high school boys small groups. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, yeah. But that's not even what he's saying. Yeah. He's saying this is how we fight, and it's not through the flesh, right? But there's these fortresses, there's these lofty ideas, mm-hmm. there's these speculations. Those are all thoughts. Those are all beliefs. Culture has beliefs, right? Societies have beliefs. Mm-hmm. And we are fighting against those things that are raised up against the true knowledge mm-hmm. of God. So we're not taking our own thoughts captive when it comes to lust. Like, you can apply it that way. But he's referring to we're going out and we're helping people see the lies in their thinking. And we're taking those lies captive. Mm-hmm. That's how we're fighting. Like this is to me, I love this because I'm like, that's what apologetics is, right? We're defending our faith and we're helping other people see hmm. the the holes in their worldview and in their beliefs in hopes that they be reconciled to Jesus because we are ambassadors for yeah. Christ. And that's the ministry he's given us, reconciling people with God. Hmm. And that's that's the spiritual battle that Paul that Paul's talking about in Ephesians, right? That we're not fighting against flesh yeah. and blood, but but against the enemy, right? There's spiritual forces. Yes that are leading people towards these ideas that are holding them in chains. And so 
it's sort of a, it's, it's a liberation to encounter the truth and, and see Jesus as reality, right? He is there. He is the truth. Um, and then you encounter yep. it and the, the false idea is left in shambles. And now, now you're looking at the resurrected King, right? Um, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because if we, if we think about the weapons of the enemy, mm. it's lies, mm-hmm. which is what, which is a, a false belief. Yeah. Hmm. That's yeah. that's how he got Adam and Eve off track Absolutely. right away. Yeah. Right? It was God's holding out on me. I could have had something better. That guy's a jerk and I'm going to go get it on my own. And that's what sin is. That's what, whenever <laughs> I sin, that's the lie I'm uh-huh. believing. And so Satan and and demons, that's that's the warfare there. The battle is for the mind. Mm-hmm. And that's why Romans 12 says we're, you know, we're renewed by what? By we're we're transformed by transformed. the renewing mm-hmm. of our mind. He doesn't say by by really having an emotional experience at worship. <laughs> he doesn't say yeah, by yeah. just having more faith. Uh-huh. No, you're transformed by renewing your mind. It's a thought thing because what we believe has consequences, right? Our beliefs yeah. have legs, and bad beliefs devastate hmm. people, mm. and, and they bring harm to people. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. So apologetics is a big deal. So, and the one thing I like about it too, I I, I don't know about you, Tyler, but why I like it a lot is because it's so multifaceted Mm -hmm. because it's basically seeking truth and defending the Christian faith in science, philosophy, archaeology, culture. I mean, it's it's everything. (laughs) Yeah. It covers every aspect of life. And it's, it's like you said, it's setting those truth foundations that you can Mm -hmm. investigate. And then uh, and what I mean by foundation is it's like, it's like this whole idea that when you when you're going through emotional problems or like uh, any cultural issues mm-hmm. that you're facing or questions coming up uh, about life, then it's like uh, these truth foundations uh, help you and uh, uh, not only for yourself but to be able to share with others, uh, be able to build off of that and use that as your reality. Because mm-hmm. because that's that's what we find in scripture and that's how what apologetics is for is to create a defense yeah. for your faith. Right? It's to come to an understanding of setting this foundation for what you believe. Yeah. Yes, and I. I think too, like um, in our culture in our day and age, like you know, there's there's so many different competing worldviews mm. or religions, right? And usually, when you talk with people, the argument comes down to, well, I had this experience, and my experience mm. is mm. true. And then the other person will say, well, I had this experience with Muhammad, and so my experience is true. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a point of a stalemate of, well, whose experience trumps the other's experience? <laughs> yeah. And you have to get to a place where, no, there's objective evidence out mm-hmm. there that we can both evaluate independent of what we've experienced because sometimes our experiences are wrong. Mm. Um, and Christianity uh, traditionally has taught and pushed that, but... It seems in the last, like I said, 150 years, we've fallen into that category, too, where people believe the best way to share Jesus with others is to share your personal testimony mm. because nobody can take away from your story. <laughs> and it's like, well, who cares? <laughs> like, I mean, my story might be wrong, yeah. you know, because I, I believe the Muslim story is wrong. I believe the Mormon story is wrong. Mm. I'm not saying they haven't had an experience, mm. but I'm just saying what they experienced isn't what they believe it to be. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, with that, too, I was going to say, uh, I mean, we even know through scripture in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it, right? Yeah. Like, well, our hearts are deceitful. That's what, what bi- the, the Bible says. And yep. so it's like when you take that literally and you realize uh, that <laughs> that our hearts are deceitful, then how can you trust what your heart is telling you? So, so yeah. there has to be an objective truth standard out there. Hmm. Yep. And it needs to be outside of myself because otherwise yeah. it's just relativism and I'm creating my Absolutely. own truth, which 
doesn't work. Well, and that's an interesting thing that you mentioned too, because it's like on one hand we do live in postmodernism, right? Which is essentially mm-hmm. relativism on on high. Everything is subjective. Everything is about the cultural experience of the individual. Um, I mean, even so, one of my I, I did a major in English literature and theology, and the literature side of it. That's how we read things was subjectively, but then obviously in the theology side, they're like, that's not even the valid way to approach this because you're bringing all of your own filters and experiences and lenses and it's going to cloud all this. Right. Um, but it's interesting too. We're also in a culture that when it comes to our own individual beliefs, we're very subjective. And mm-hmm. that's, a, that's like a, it's the whole tolerance mechanism, right? Like that way we can live peacefully yeah. with the Muslim next door, which to an extent works. And then to another extent, maybe falls short eventually. But on another yeah. sense, we're also a very empirical culture too, right? Like when we do doubt, we're not doubting based on um, our experience. We're doubting based on intellectual concepts because we're, you know, post-enlightenment, post-scientific age. So for me, at least, mm-hmm. that's another reason apologetics is helpful too. Because like you said, it grounds it in something outside of your subjective experience and it gives it empirical credibility. So when we're talking yes. about the resurrection as a historical fact and then making a, a really compelling case for that, that really appeals to, you know, the empirical mind of our society, I think. It does. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and you're right about we, we live in like kind of like a, a, a schizophrenic <laughs> yeah. or bipolar yeah, it society seems that way. because people say, oh, we're postmodern. They're only postmodern or relativistic when it comes to morality yes, and religion. That's it. Uh-huh. Nobody's relativistic when it comes to eating food or exercise or putting gas in your car your bank account mm-hmm. like yeah your bank account you go to the teller and say i feel like i have a million dollars that you should give me they're not going to oh, do man. it why because there's reality but then when it comes to the most important questions about life people throw all that out the window yes. and go yeah that's whatever you want it yes. to be it makes no sense because really one of my professors jp Moreland, he used to say this he said really what's happening with the relativism is People are, are are saying, yeah, it's whatever you want. But the reason they say that is because they have believed we can't really access mm. knowledge about yes. it. Mm. And I thought that was fascinating. That's really what they're saying is nobody knows or, and there's no way to even approach knowing yes. this. Um, and so that that's one of our, our things, too, is we got to go, listen, science doesn't answer everything philosophy is kind of a big deal, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Metaphysics and, and epistemology are, are really important for human beings. And um, we need to investigate those tools for gaining knowledge hmm. of truth in addition to science. And so that that's kind of a hard thing to sell our culture right now um, because they've believed the lie that science is the only way of knowing facts. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, there's a severe deficit of epistemology in our culture Oh man. Um, yes. Well, I mean, even yeah. in the church, yeah. we could talk about that. For I mean, years, I was but... just, as you're mentioning that I'm thinking about like small groups that I go to where we're, we're talking as fellow Christians about a particular theological issue. And someone goes, well, there's no way to know for sure. Or your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> and the more I think about it, the more I'm like, well, somebody's gotta be right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's, there's truth you know, out there. And even yeah. though like, yes, maybe it's not helpful to always argue about predestination, but someone has a right answer about theological concepts too, right? So, but we've yes. kind of brought that into the church setting of like, oh, well, this is going to cause a bitter argument. So instead of learning to be respectful and discourse with one another politely, we're just going to avoid it altogether. 
Well, and that's the that's the lie people are believing, mm. and, and that's what our culture is yeah, believing. Yeah, exactly. That if you disagree with me, you hate yep. me. Well, that's yeah. not true. Uh, it's more loving to treat you with respect while I disagree mm. with you. Do you know, so and th- and that's the, that's the Christian ethic, isn't it? Absolutely. We're not just called to love our friends; we're called to love our enemies, which enemy implies disagreement. Mm. Mm, on some yeah. level, <laughs> and that's what Jesus calls us to. So, no, it's it's possible to to love your enemy um, and pray for those who persecute you, like Jesus says. But it, it implies you you don't agree with them, uh-huh. and and even in the church, right? Like you're right, people. Oh, we don't want to get into that because it causes bitter fights. Well, it shouldn't because we're supposed to be unified. Yes. That's how people know we're Amen. Christians is by our love for one another, in spite of our doctrinal differences. You know, so. I don't know. I think it's just a lazy way out, to be honest. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it's just if we don't talk about it, then it won't. Nothing bad will happen. Instead of I need to develop virtue in mm. my life to be the type of person that can disagree and still be kind. Yeah, mm. that's good. That's good stuff. Yep. So apologetics is a big deal for us. Um, l- let's get into talking a little bit about um, our stories, mm. right? Yeah. Like how has it impacted us, and and what has it helped us with? So Tyler, like why why do you value apologetics? Why has it been a big deal in your life? Yeah, I I value apologetics because for for me personally, going through. Uh, high school, we went on these uh, different apologetics-based mission trips, uh, which um, at the time, you, you being my youth pastor was awesome, just being able to uh, kind of grow under your wing through learning apologetics. Uh, mm-hmm. That that was a really awesome growing up with that. But then um, just through these different experiences of studying and researching uh, uh, um, and going on these trips, what, uh, um, went to... Uh, Berkeley in California one year talking about atheism, uh, met with atheistic professors and then like hearing their arguments for reality. Uh, to me, that a lot of that was new uh, that first year. And I was thinking, I'm like, wow, this is a whole new world that I never even like tapped into. That was when I first started to learn more about apologetics and um, reading the book, uh, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an mm-hmm. Atheist. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that that was uh, really foundational for me because I it, it helped help me kind of open my eyes to this whole uh, new realm of like arguments and uh, for reasons why we believe. And uh, I just kind of dove in from there and it was just uh, then going on future trips, uh, d- dealing with uh, Mormon ministry. Uh, I ended up during the time when we, uh, we studied Mormonism in high school, uh, me and one of my best friends, we ended up stu- uh, not only studying it together, but we ended up going to, uh, a Mormon ward, and we ended up meeting with missionaries hmm. on a weekly basis for like I think it was a good at least like six months, and um, we just talked to them. We were honest with them and open and had an open dialogue, uh, just about the person of Jesus, uh, about the Book of Mormon and Scripture, and then seeing all of this come together. I was and then uh, through talking to Mormons and LDS on the, uh, the trip that we took out to Salt Lake. Uh, for me, that was foundational in seeing that Christianity is true because when you compare it to any other worldview, not even just Mormonism or atheism uh, or, or Islam or Hindu, you can fit anything into that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see that Christianity makes more sense with reality. Mm-hmm. It, it, makes, it makes more philosophical sense, and that, that really clicked for me. Uh, in high school, and so uh, from there on out, I just I just kept diving in, wanting to learn more, 
Um, and then and now finishing up my degree at school, like a bachelor in Christian studies, because I wanted to learn more about apologetics and Christianity. I want to study what I believe. And so um, that's kind of that's kind of where apologetics comes in for me. Uh, I've just personally been invested into it because I, I think it's important that everyone knows mm. the reasons for why they believe. Mm. Uh, um, <laughs> and you should want to. You should want to have the the reasons and evidence to produce yeah. when you're talking to your friends and family or coworkers uh, about why you believe it. Because uh, it's important if you put your faith for eternity into something that you know what <laughs> you're talking about, it's right? It's kind of a big deal, yeah. Yeah, Stakes yeah. are pretty low on that one, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Exactly. So, so, yeah, so that's kind of like my backstory. That's mm. why I'm passionate about apologetics. I just have a heart mm. for um, God to use me to help uh, um, <laughs> communicate his message to people through uh, understanding the fact that they can know what they believe yeah. and why they believe it. Tyler, so, do you go yeah. to GCU? Okay, I you do, said actually, Christian yeah. studies, and I was like, hey, that's what I studied, and I only know one school that has that title for their theology degree, so <laughs> Lopes up. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's yeah. what I'm doing. Yep, Lopes up, man. That's awesome. right. You guys are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dude, but that's right. Dude, paint the that's valley purple, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Find There's a free app for them again. Like, they have so Stop much, so okay, much okay, marketing. Okay, you know what's funny there. about this? Like, yeah. Complete digression. Yeah. So when I was at GCU, <laughs> everyone would make jokes about the construction, and, the, and at that time, the admin didn't like it. And there was a period when me and some of, I was a life leader, and me and some of the other life leaders had this joke and this idea to call it Grand Construction University. And I, I designed <laughs> shirts, yeah. and I was going to print the shirts, and they told me I had to shut it down. And then I go on campus last uh, last year, and they have a sign of their own that says Grand Construction University. And I'm like, okay, no, so they, they created learned, that yeah, last they year. how to take a I joke at least. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah, true. That's right. <laughs> I no, it's DCU, true. Though. It's I true. But I, I love, I love yeah. going there. It's been such good. a good time. Good it's, program. It's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> yeah, I went to the other Christian university. Oh, did you go to ACU? So. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, it wasn't ACU. <laughs> well, it wasn't. A- it wasn't ACU back then. It was Southwestern Bible oh, College. Oh, wow. And, uh, we used <laughs> to make, we it's so funny, like, looking back, because we used to make fun of GCU all the time, right? Because that goes both yes. ways. But yeah. we used to have this joke where we'd be like, Hey, like somebody would be like telling like some kind of crazy story. And we'd be like, you better stop that. You know where liars go. And they're like, what, hell? And we're like, no, GCU. Oh like, that's where, that's where, that was our running joke way oh, back man. in the day. But no, I like GCU is doing a lot of great yeah. stuff now. It's um, I have a lot of friends who are professors oh, awesome. there. A lot of former students who are uh, in college there. Um, yeah, it's yeah. they're doing great stuff. Yeah, but, but that's kind of like we said. Yeah, that's my background. So just coming out of that and then. Uh, that's what led me to go to GCU was to study um, more and learn more about my faith mm-hmm. and then uh, to eventually carry that on into ministry. So, awesome. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and Drew, I know like apologetics kind of played an important role in your development as you were following Christ. You want to tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, actually, in, in some ways, it's similar to Tyler's story, especially in that it led me to GCU as well to study Christian studies. But um, before I get ahead of myself, I guess it started really in high school. Um, and I had been a Christian pretty much my whole life, uh, to varying degrees. Right. Um, we went to church Mm -hmm. here and there when I was a kid, I actually went to Catholic school for eight years, but wasn't ever Catholic, but like took all the religion classes and had a pretty solid, you know, understanding from that of the basics of the Bible, which I'm grateful for. Um, but in high school I was really involved in young life. Um, mostly because uh, it was something to do. But then, you know, I started falling more and more in love with Jesus and had 
this, you know, really robust, powerful, passionate faith, but it wasn't, it wasn't very full, I would say. Um, it was kind of like what you were talking about earlier. It was very experiential. You know, I'd go to camp and I'd be refreshed. I'd have a camp high and I'd love Jesus again. And then six months later, I'd be like, yeah, Jesus is pretty cool, but so is all this other stuff, you know. Uh, luckily, <laughs> yeah. I but well, not luckily, by the grace of God, I don't think I ever did anything that I would say was unchristian, but a lot of my thought patterns, a lot of my internal life back then I would say wasn't really formed in terms of discipleship. So um, I'm a deep mm-hmm. thinker. And so um, my senior year, I encountered for the first time really, really powerful arguments from atheism. And um, this came in the form of a conversation with a stranger I had actually, who is a very, very militant atheist and had not just, you know, emotion behind his words, but also had some pretty, some pretty convincing things to me at the time. So I was like, okay, well I have to look into these. Um, and so I started reading some Richard Dawkins, some Steven Pinkerton, Hitchens, things like that, mm-hmm. just to kind of weigh like, okay, you know, I'm kind of following this whole religious system that's shaping my life. I ought to know if it's true. Um, and for a while it was actually really dark. I was reading all of these um, these atheists and watching arguments online between atheists and Christians. And at first I was not finding any good Christian arguments. Right. Um, Mm. and there was a period my senior year where for about a month, I never identified as an atheist, but I was in limbo intellectually. I was, you know, still going to church, still going to young life. I was actually a junior leader, but my faith was dry completely in the intellectual sense too. I mean, like I would still have powerful moments in worship, but intellectually I was like, I don't know if I can honestly hold it. This is true. Um, and then one of my best friends actually, um, gave me Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis because he and I had been talking and he had this zealous, robust, fully formed faith and he had no intellectual qualms about it. And I was like, okay, well, that's what I want if that's possible. So I read Mere Christianity <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's really, so, that's some pretty good basic argumentation right there. And like at least some decent mm-hmm. reasons to believe there's something intellectually true about Christianity. Um, and then from there, I started, you know, just taking the deep dive into apologetics. I mean, it was almost an obsession for the last six months of senior year. Um, I read a couple books by Mark Middleberg, William Lane Craig, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. J.P. Moreland, I actually have one of his uh, bigger textbooks in my room somewhere. Yeah, one nice. of the ones he co-wrote. And so I was just hooked. I was like, okay, everything in this faith has robust arguments behind it. So I, I consumed them um, and just, uh, even though I don't remember them all, like I couldn't tell you them all now, but but at least I know there is a good intellectual reason to hold that these things are true. Um, and that actually shaped me into wanting to be um, a pastor because I was like, okay, well, I'm discovering all these things and sharing them with my friends and that's ministering to them in an intellectual sense. Well, now I'm starting to care about their hearts and about their, their faith in a broader sense and intellectual, emotional, you know, um, and so that's what ended up making me want to go to GCU and study Christian studies. Um, and so, I, yeah, in a lot of ways, I owe my faith now to apologetics because I, I, I don't, you know, I have doubts, but I've never experienced anything as dry as that season that led me into apologetics and, and researching, um, researching the faith and the arguments for it. And since then, there's such a greater... I guess freedom and security knowing that, okay, God isn't crazy. Like he's actually given us evidence to believe that, <laughs> that this is all true. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> and I would say that that's become 
one of the pillars that that I stand on, you know, and I, I obviously it's not my discipline like it is for you guys. Like I'm not, you know, keeping up with it heavily. Um, it's not Mm -hmm. what I study as my main thing, but it was a huge part of of my spiritual formation in that time. Hmm. That is awesome, man. That's so cool to hear. And I've heard so many, um, people in high school and college age with a similar story. And then on the flip side, I've heard so many kids who grew up in the youth group who didn't find reasons, right. Who didn't investigate. And then they got to college and they just got wrecked and they walked away from Mm -hmm. the Lord. Um, and, and that's, that, that devastates me. Um, and that's one of the reasons I think apologetics is huge for, um, junior high, high school, college age students is because, yeah, if you, if you get thrown out into the world, man, they, they seem very confident and they have a lot of arguments. And if, if you've never heard this stuff before, it is, uh, mind blowing and scary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can really easily, um, get, get your faith rocked to the point where you, you don't go to church anymore. You don't follow Mm -hmm. the Lord anymore. So I'm, I mean, kudos to you for saying I need to investigate this because that's that's a step that a lot of people don't make. Yeah. Mm. Well, it was tough, but luckily, I mean, I also, I you know, I have to give credit where it's due. I had a lot of people around me that I was close with that I felt comfortable opening up with about this to kind of walk me through it. And I feel like that's another thing too is sometimes it doesn't seem that the church is a comfortable place to express those doubts, right? Um, and for me, yeah. that was really important yep. to have leaders that were willing to hear me out willing to sit with me as I'm wrestling with these things and, and, you know, insofar as they could provide helpful resources. That's awesome, man. We're actually in, in our podcast, we're going through a series on doubt. Um, and we're, we're talking about like all these misconceptions mm-hmm. about it, right? <laughs> like yeah. people think, Oh, doubt is the opposite of belief. No, it's not. Um, people think, you know, real Christians don't have doubts. Yes, this, they do. All yeah. of them do. <laughs> Try like the prophet. Yeah. No biblical <laughs> Like Jeremiah's like, I wish I had never been born. (laughs) Yes. There is not one person in scripture other than Jesus, right, who didn't experience tremendous Mm -hmm. doubt in in their walk. And so I I read the Bible and I go, man, this is a common Christian experience. But for some reason, we all want to stuff it and not talk about it um, where we should be voicing it. Because if if we really are confident that Christianity is true and that Jesus is who he said he is, then there's there's nothing we're going to uncover that he didn't already know. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're going <laughs> to, yeah. oh, he didn't see that coming, and now we've disproven like, oh, him. No. That's not how it works. If he's legitimate, um, he, he's not afraid of our investigation, Absolutely. so why are we afraid of it, you know? Mm. It's very interesting to mm. me. Yeah, and then, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, like I was saying too, uh, I mean, like we're, we were saying, it's just important to have, you know, these foundations because mm-hmm. when you know what you believe, then when you face these doubts that you're going through, uh, it, you you have like a bit more, there's like a bit of comfort because mm-hmm. uh, when you rely on the truth and mm-hmm. uh, what scripture teaches and apologetics, uh, it, it, it sets you free and you feel like you're comforted by that rather than like shaking. That's why we talked about in our series too, like it's important to voice your mm-hmm. doubts and yes. talking about these things because if you like bury it down, then it's going to come out mm-hmm. and then like, and cause emotional pain. Oh, so it's, yeah. it's good to deal with it intellectually. It is. Well, and one of the, one of the things you said too, Drew, that I think is just huge for, yeah. for Christians to understand is that you're not, none of us are that smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, like I'm not like, but, but this is what happens when we doubt something or we hear some argument from, you know, Dawkins mm-hmm. or Hitchens or whatever. 
um, it throws us into a panic. And, and then for some arrogant reason, we think, oh my gosh, I have discovered this question <laughs> that nobody else has ever <laughs> thought up in the last 2,000 years, when the reality is everybody's uh-huh. thought of it. <laughs> and there was some dude 600 years ago who thought of it and investigated it and wrote a book about it <laughs> yeah. and has the answer out there, and you just need to go read it. Um, yeah. One of the things that I think is important for Christians to know is you're not uh, you're not uncommon. The doubts you have, other people have had, and the answers are already mm-hmm. out there. All we got to do is go yeah. find them. You don't have to remember them all, and you don't have to develop them all. You just need to go know, hey, another Christian struggled with this, and they've reconciled mm-hmm. it. Um, and I think that alone, if I could get everybody in my church to understand that, oh my goodness, we would be <laughs> so far ahead of the curve uh, on things. Yeah, Christians yeah. need to know that there are answers out there, but mm. sometimes they're just so afraid to look. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think apologetics, um, just my, my story a little bit, it's so important to me for a few reasons. I, I grew up uh, in northern Arizona, which is heavily Mormon, right? Mm-hmm. All the towns are founded by Mormons. So I had tons of Mormon friends growing up. And they'd, you know, evangelize to me, and I'd evangelize to them, and they'd give me a Book of Mormon, and um, I'd try to invite them to youth group. And um, just thinking through, both of us can't be right. Mm-hmm. You know, we could both be wrong, but we both couldn't be right because there's contradictions, clear contradictions in our in our belief systems. And so growing up and, and thinking through that and, and struggling with how do I talk to these people, how do I understand that what I think is real because what they think is real, you know, uh, they think they're right. Um, and then getting into college too, just getting into um, one of my friends, you know, introduced me to William mm-hmm. Lane Craig. And so we'd watch all these debates on VHS and um, geek out over it. And, oh, he's so smart. This is amazing. Um, but then I had a I had a class in school uh, called apologetics at Southwestern. And um, man, I just like fell in love with that class. Hmm. I was a junior in college and it like was so confidence building to me and looking at we can do hard science and we can do philosophy and and Christianity proves itself to be real. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just so foundational for my faith. And I remember one day I walked out of class after seeing, you know, some crazy amount of evidence towards reliability of scripture and, oh, yeah. and uh, creationism. And um, I was walking to my dorm and I unlocked the, the door. I remember exactly where I was. And I was just thanking God saying, Lord, I'm so thankful for truth that mm-hmm. it is out there and that you made me in a way that I can research and I can know the truth. And the Lord just spoke to my heart. And he said, don't forget that that truth lives in Hmm. you, right? The truth lives in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And it just like made me tear up. And I thought about that, like how powerful that is that I can know it, but it resides in me and I can go help people to understand it. And I'm being conformed to Hmm. it and all that comes into that. And um, I just, at that point, I was like, I want to do apologetics. I'm moving to California. I'm doing philosophy with with uh, J.P. Moreland. I'm going to bio, <laughs> yeah. you know, all this stuff. And um, then, God, then God sidetracked me and put me into a, a smaller church out in Buckeye, Arizona, doing youth mm-hmm. ministry with like, like 15 kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm out there, and I'm like, how can I help these kids not walk away from the faith when they go mm-hmm. to college, right? apologetics that's how so i just started teaching apologetics doing apologetics um studying more on my own going to you know seminary and then going out to biola eventually uh for apologetics masters and um i I just had such a burden to help kids not walk away from the faith and and i thought the reason that they're doing it is because we're giving them pizza and games (laughs) and we're not giving them why christianity (laughs) is true. true and so 
Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it made me mad. And so like Tyler was kind of saying, like I, I forced them to do, I mean, looking back on it, it's like, it's kind mm. of some crazy stuff. Like I can't believe we had like 75 kids whose parents let me take them to Salt Lake City. Yeah. And we go to Temple Square oh, to evangelize so the Mormons. Awesome, it was amazing. We got kicked out. It was amazing. <laughs> it didn't take long. It wasn't today, because yeah. we weren't gentle and respectful, though. We 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 hammered that home. We were very kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then we went into. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. We went down to Provo one day and went to BYU and just like mm-hmm. went into dorm rooms and started like hanging out with kids. And oh, so you're kind of you're taking on a taste of their own medicine there, two by two, knocking on doors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. yeah. Well, that yeah. that's what was funny. I, the security we guard at uh, Salt Lake City. It was so funny because he came up to me and he was really upset because there there were a lot of us but yeah. we were split up all over campus at, at temple square and um he was mad and he came up and i said hey listen we'll go like this is your private uh-huh. property we're not going to make a big scene here like calm down it'll be all right and i said i bet you have a lot of people who come up here and just cause you problems right he's like yeah it happens all the time i said we're not going to do that we we love you guys we love jesus we want you to know who he is but we're not going to come up here and cause a problem uh, and i said but let me ask you this seems like to be like the mecca of Mormonism. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is this is ground zero. This is headquarters. Yeah, the mothership. We want it. to understand. <laughs> yeah, we want to understand your faith, and we want to talk about it. So we figured we would come to the source. <laughs> if we, but you're kicking us out. <laughs> so, so if we want to do this, yeah, how do we do this? You know. And he said, "This is not how you do it. If you want to come here, it's just to tour our buildings and see our stuff." But if you want to do that, go home, and then um, we, we send missionaries out to your house. And I remember looking at him, and I said, so it's okay for you to infiltrate <laughs> my house, but it's not okay <laughs> for us to come up here. <laughs> oh, gosh. I said, do you see? That's kind of funny, <laughs> right? And I was nice about it. And he was laughing, too. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that is kind of true. And I said, that doesn't make sense. Like, if we're being respectful, hmm. you know, why can't we stay? Uh, he didn't let us. That, yeah. that was all right. <laughs> But but th- those are the types of things and 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 yeah it was freaky. Mm. I remember one kid before we went to Temple Square to do evangelism. I mean he was like crying. He was mm-hmm. nervous. Please pray for me. I just don't feel like I can do this. That's good yeah. because a lot of a lot of churches teach theology and and teach some apologetics. But unless people know that they're going to be faced with a real test where a real atheist or a real Mormon is going to be face to face with them and they're going to have to dialogue, they don't study mm. as hard. And so I think that having that experiential, we're going to go do this now, because that's that's the whole point mm-hmm. of it. It's not just to get head knowledge so you feel good about your faith. It's to be um, confident, but it's also to go out and to be a good ambassador. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the the going out and doing really galvanizes people in their confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, yeah, when we were at Berkeley, we had all these atheist professors from Cal State come in and teach our kids why Christianity was yeah. stupid. Um, and it was great because... The questions the kids would ask would just dismantle these atheistic mm. arguments, and I thought, <laughs> how sad! I can take I can take six months to train up high school students, and they can go dismantle what people have have dedicated their lives mm. to doing. We couldn't do that with like brain surgery. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like we couldn't yeah. do that with certain. But this is just such a bad worldview. It's easy to train fifteen-year-olds to go up and <laughs> dismantle these guys oh, and show them the contradictions. It was crazy to me. But but coming back from that, I just I kept remember hearing all the kids say, "I'm just so much more confident in my faith. I'm not afraid to go to ASU mm-hmm. next year. I'm not afraid to go to NAU. I'm not afraid to go to U of A because we went into the freaking belly of the beast in Berkeley." Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
you know, the most liberal school in America. And man, they don't have anything. Their arguments are bad. I was like, this works. Uh, this works. This solidifies kids. And um, so as, as I was doing ministry, I, I just saw the importance of apologetics for kids not to walk away from the faith. But then um, the, 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 so kids don't kids walk away from the faith because they don't know why they believe it. But the second reason I saw kids walk away from the faith was because they want to sleep around, right? <laughs> it's morality or I don't know why I believe what I believe. And so apologetics, even in the, the morality sense, I, I saw as being really mm. helpful. Now, again, not a, not a silver bullet that no kid walks away or does something stupid, yeah, right? Because people make mistakes. But uh, by and large, most of the students that we had go through those programs still love Jesus and serve Jesus. And a lot of them are youth pastors and a lot of them are associate pastors at different churches. Um, so I've, I've seen, I'm on the back end of it hmm. now going, man, that worked. And I just know for myself, doubt, doubts flare up, right? Because we ask what if questions and we're emotional beings. And I go back to, I have hundreds and hundreds of reasons that that dude actually rose from hmm. the dead. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, yeah. I mean, there's so much evidence that he came back from the dead. And if he did that, then what he says about God's true, so God exists, and if he rose from the dead, Scripture's reliable because he said it was, and if he rose from the dead, the morality in Scripture's true because he said yeah. it was, and it's just, it, 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 it's such an anchor to my faith because my emotions wane, mm -hmm. right? Everybody's does. I don't feel like going to church every week. I'm a pastor. I don't feel like being here every <laughs> week. It's just, yeah. that's true, you know? Um, but but my, my religious belief, my faith, isn't built on how I feel yeah. about it mm. because Christianity is hard and it, it doesn't always make your life better right in the immediate mm. but I'm a Christian because um, I know it's true um, I, I, mm. I it's not even I, I heard JP Moreland say this one time he said it's not even because I believe it's true I know it's true mm -hmm. Um, it's not a, it's not a, I'm hoping it's a, Fingers I'm crossed, yeah. in the knowledge of, <laughs> yeah, it's, I've got confidence in my belief. I know it's true. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it, man. It's just been such a beautiful thing in my life. A, a God who cares so much about us that he not only would do the things he did, but then leave trails of copious mm. evidence so we can have confidence, man. What a good God, right? What yeah, a good God. That's awesome. So yeah, it's, it's done a lot for me in my life and, um, yeah, I've seen how beneficial it is in witnessing to other people and in helping Christians de defend their faith and develop a deeper relationship with Jesus. That's so good. So it's good. I think we'll keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, and how do, how do you, Drew, because I know your, your podcast is a lot about spiritual formation. So how do you see apologetics or study as an, an aspect of spiritual formation when it comes to, you know, prayer and yeah. meditation and solitude? Well, and it's, it's certainly not the whole burrito, right? Like there's all these different components to our humanity. Sure. But I mean, I just can't get past the fact that we're such an empirical culture and we, we almost need these answers to a degree as subjective as we are with other things. Um, and that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, there's something human about that too. That's not just a modern Western thing, but, um, just in the people that I know, like my, my personal close friends and even people I've, you know, uh, interacted with in church, um, and in ministry, like I, I did some youth ministry back in the day, um, led a lot of wildlife and th those kids, like, you know, like you've experienced in middle school are asking these million dollar questions and you're like, dude, you yeah. should be playing tag still. Like, what do you, what do you mean? What is the <laughs> yeah, life, yeah. Right? Um, but I think it's one of those things where I, I see it like this. 
Jesus asks us to love him with our whole heart, soul, mind, and body, right? So one mm-hmm. of the ways in which that we do that is understanding intellectually and rationally how it's all true in so far as we can, you know? And there, there's certain yes. things that are unquestionably beyond understanding, you know, like we can, we can kind of go at them. Um, but there, there are certain things that are just going to be mystery, right? Like we're never going to fully comprehend like the essence of God. Cause he's so beyond no. us. Right. But then there are <laughs> so many things, like you said, that he's so gracious to leave little breadcrumb trails to the truth. And so even just in mm-hmm. nature, right? Like, um, a lot of theologians have done like natural apologetics. I mean, Paul does it in Romans one. Right. So I think it's so important for that component of our, of our personhood. That is the mind that is the rational self to have mm-hmm. a formation, to have an intellectual and logical understanding of, of where this all stands. Um, and, and then I've found that mm-hmm. sometimes that can be the thing you lean on in other areas as your support. So like for me, for instance, right. If, if I'm a very intellectual person and in my story, I shared that apologetics basically saved my faith for a time. Well, now that I have that support, now I can work on loving God with my body and with my soul, right? Like experiencing prayer, contemplation, mm-hmm. um, studying scripture in, in different ways than just, you know, the, the purely apologetic sense too. So then it almost becomes this self-building thing where you have all these different aspects of your faith that you're hopefully being fed in and working on. And I think the mind is a huge part of that, especially for us in the 21st century. I mean, we're such rational yeah. creatures as is, but we as 21st century people almost believe that we're brains on a stick, right? So the first thing mm. to be attacked, I think is the intellectual stuff, which apologetics covers so wonderfully. And then I found that once people kind of deal with that and go, okay, you know, the resurrection happened. Okay. Now, how do I get my, how do I get my will to align with what God's will for my life is? Like, how do I wrestle with Mm -hmm. the flesh, which even though intellectually, I know I shouldn't have sex before marriage, but my flesh wants it. Now, how do I wrestle with that? And that's a different sort of battle. But I think for most humans for all time, but especially for our generation, I think the intellectual stuff tends to come first. Yeah, I'd say Mm. so, man. And I think it's such a deceptive, um, uh, ploy that that Satan's doing in our in our day and age, with the onslaught of how much information yes. there is at our fingertips, it's like mass confusion. To be honest, because it's like I could access right information, but how do I sift through all of it to find what's mm-hmm. right? How do I? And that's where I'm finding a lot of people mm. they don't even know how to think, mm. right? So it becomes I'm gonna follow the loudest opinion, or I'm gonna find <laughs> uh, <laughs> documents that reinforce my opinion. Yeah versus how do I think about reality? That's one of the things I've been wrestling with. Is yeah. be, because honestly, like, look at us. Like, we just created a podcast. Why? Oh, because NBC came a call in and said, hey, you guys, no, we just yeah. did it, right? Anybody can do podcasts. Anybody can make a blog. So there's just all of this opinion out there. But how can people sift through what's being mm. said to go, man, this is a good argument. This makes sense, right? And that's that's one of the things I'm, I'm trying to figure out how we teach people how to think, not hmm. what to think, so that they can evaluate all of these different voices that are coming in through their through their glowing rectangles, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's well, that's, that's, that's the just, idea. That's just like classic mm. philosophy right there, right? I mean, I, what, what you say mm-hmm. right there makes me think of the Socratic circle and then even rabbinical teaching forms. Yeah. It's more about are my students asking the right questions, 
but our entire education mm-hmm. model is built off of right answers, right? Input output makes a lot of really yeah, good factory workers, yep. but maybe not some good critical thinkers. Um, for me, that all changed yes. when I took philosophy my freshman year. And I was actually going to ask you about this because so uh, at GCU for one year, we had Kyle Strobel as a professor of philosophy and yeah. he's at Biola now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, I was in a, a analytic reading group, analytic theology reading oh, group. Oh, I would with Kyle kill for that. He, he taught my intro to philosophy course. And Kyle, I don't know if you're ever going to hear this, but that course literally changed my life because it taught me how to think. Um, and and yes. he was great about, in a very gentle way, bringing up things that were very contradictory ways of thinking and saying, okay, which one is right? How do we think through this? And then you develop like the critical thinking muscle, right? And we so don't have yes. that today because yeah. everything is, well, how do I know if that's real news or fake news? How do I know if that's, you know, someone's opinion? Because everyone can sound so confident, just like you're saying. It can be so confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can't just download the critical thinking muscle. <laughs> that's the yeah, problem. It's no not just instant. Oh, yeah. just get it right now. What's the quick yeah. answer here? No, you got to, it takes some mm-hmm. work. It takes exercise, right? And that's where even like like with what you're doing with spiritual disciplines is so important mm-hmm. because... To, to grow in our faith, you know, and with, with all of these different disciplines, with all these different spiritual exercises, to develop into the, the virtuous people God desires us, to be conformed to his image, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not instant. It's not, well, if you just read your Bible for one minute a day, you'll get there. No, it, it's, it's hard, mm-hmm. just like physical exercise is hard, right? These things are hard. Um, we just live in a day and age where people would rather, you know, veg out watching Netflix, <laughs> than do something worthwhile so it's 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 Hmm. difficult it's difficult but that's the challenge right that's the challenge meeting our culture where they're at in our time with with the with the time god's given us with the talents he's given us um and and doing what we can to carry the torch of christianity while Mm -hmm. we're here that's that's the task at hand Hmm. so it's tough but um I, i often think about this uh god didn't put the apostle paul in 2019 in america yeah uh, but he put me here. Maybe Paul couldn't have, couldn't have handled it, <laughs> right? Hmm. Maybe I couldn't have handled the first century, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's a, that's a real <laughs> possibility too. But for some reason, we're here now, um, which means God entrusts us with with what's going on here, mm. uh, and, yeah. and he's he's big and he can he can help and he can guide us through wisdom uh, to to do what he's called mm. us to do. So there's some there's some uh, I don't know consolation. That's in that. awesome. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Well, cool, man. Well, this has been awesome. This has been fun. We should do yeah, it again sometime. Yeah, I've really loved talking with you guys. I mean, I think this is a really important topic. And, man, just hearing your guys' heart for it and seeing the work that you're doing, not just with your podcast, but, you know, Robbie, with the with the youth and how you're interacting with them, that's awesome. I love hearing that because that is what we need. We need more critical thinkers in the church. Um, yeah, and maybe yeah, we can cool. be a part of helping inspire that with our own, our own podcast. But, yeah, I'd love to do more and talk more about this with you guys too. So yeah, that would be, that would cool. be awesome. Well, this has been so mm-hmm. much fun, man. Thanks for, thanks for being on mm. our show and, and thank you for letting us be on yeah. your show. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is like a crossover <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> so it's really cool. But yeah, again, share with our listeners if they want to, if they want to, Tune in to your podcast, right? The Daniel Generation. Where can they find it? So that? the Daniel Generation, you can find, same as yours, on pretty much every major platform. I haven't found a platform that it's not on. 
So iTunes, Google, okay. Spotify, mm. whatever. Um, they're also on YouTube, but I'm really bad about uploading them all to YouTube. So like you might, it might be hit or miss okay. there. Um, and then you can find us. Uh, do you have video or is it just uh, I have one that I filmed from last season, but this season I'm looking nice. to film most of them, especially the interviews. Well, aside from this one. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> right, you can right. find them there. I also have an Instagram and a Facebook. So just search the Daniel Generation and you should see it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And you're coming out with your second season, right? That's coming out like in the yes. next week. So, so I'm working on season two. I'm about to get some episodes recorded and feel comfortable releasing. So uh, right now I'm shooting for releasing the first episode of season two on September 10th at the latest. Okay. So. Awesome. So our listeners, check that out. Once September oh. hits, go and check him out. He's got a whole he's got a whole other uh, series of podcasts up, but he's going to be putting up fresh mm-hmm. content uh, coming up really soon. Mm-hmm. So yeah. please, please check into that. It'll really encourage you, help you to think through uh, your spiritual disciplines and your walk with the Lord. So that'll be mm-hmm. awesome. But yeah, man, thanks so much for letting us be on uh, your show too. It's been uh, it's been fun. It's been fun to get to know you. Uh, maybe someday yeah. we'll meet in person Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I do awesome. come down to Phoenix <laughs> in the winter occasionally to visit all my old friends. So maybe next time we'll nice. do it in person. Cool. I'll set the camera gear up. We can uh, we can do a, like that maybe would be a cool. live stream. That would be fun. Yep. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for our listeners for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. Thanks for Drew letting us be on uh, uh, the Daniel Generation with you. And yeah, we'll be yeah. back next week with more content. Thanks for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.